Welcome to the January 18th edition of the PFF Forecast. It is the divisional round. We have a new intro to the podcast. It's a great day. As Ian Hart says, great day to be great. We have four fantastic matchups. We paid Seth Galena extra, so he's going to actually break down all four. We have Judah Fortgang. Judah Fortgang almost made 100K on same game parlays. He won one. He got Daniel Jones on another. He's going to talk us through how to win one this week. I'm juiced up. I'm placing one. It's going to be 401 odds. I can't wait to hit it. And we're going to close out with locks of the week with our main man, Arjun. Let's rock. Seth, it's that time of the year where everyone has a take on one underdog that's going to win. Everyone does. Last week, it was the Giants. Most people were right. This week, I'm very interested. I, it feels like the Cowboys. We brought you in because you're a contrarian. Are you ready? I thought, I'm just going to say something. I thought when you started that sentence, it's that time of the year. I thought we were going right into an ad read. That's that's the perfect start for wow. an ad read. Perfect time of the year to, sh- you know, shave, shave your, your balls. Your, <laughs> shave your balls. It's Christmas time, ladies and gentlemen. It's a new year, new me. <laughs> yeah. Is there right. a perfect time of the year for that? or and, and All, all the times of the year. Or what do we do at this point? <laughs> um, uh, let's get this back on the tracks. By letting people know, members of the printing press, if this is for some reason your first time joining the podcast, or if it's your 100th, we appreciate you listening. Go join the printing press discord so that you can get, we we moved a, a player prop that Brad pointed out like eight, eight yards. <laughs> we talked about it on the Sunday night pod. And immediately when the line came up in the discord, someone dropped it in, everyone hopped on and it's now a full like eight yards different. So get in there. It's a lot of fun. This is the right time to do it during the playoffs. Um, and uh, it'll be a good time. The link will be posted in the description. Okay. Let's start in, we'll go in chronological order here. That means we're going to start with Jaguars chiefs. This is actually a rematch from earlier in the season. The Chiefs won rather handily. It actually wasn't even as close as the uh, as the final score, um, which was uh, Chiefs twenty seven and Jaguars seventeen, which meant that they just barely covered. It was a nine and a half point spread at close, but it really wasn't that close if you watch the game. Patrick Mahomes over ninety uh, PFF grade. Actually, Trevor Lawrence graded well in that game. This again being played in Kansas City. The spread in this game eight and a half. So the market has enjoyed or, or liked what the Jaguars are doing. I don't think that's surprising given how good Trevor Lawrence has been over the last uh, you know 10 weeks or so. So the question is this, Seth. I have a feeling, I have a little feeling that you think the Jaguars can pull off this upset. How? I just, I, I'll start by saying I'm so biased. I, I love this Jaguars team in a way that uh, I shouldn't. Uh, just love everything about them. And my other bias is my, and I hate saying this because it's going to um, show the world how stupid I am, but I've been kind of waiting for the collapse, the unraveling of the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And why I'm doing that, I have no idea, because this is clearly one of the best teams, one of the best dynasties we've seen in a long time. And, you know, they played mid, mid, they were like a mid-tier team in the middle of last season, and then they've just kind of figured themselves out, and they're a great team again. So I don't know why I keep doing this. However, certainly like the Jags plus nine, nine and a half, I think that's where the line is right now. I think this could be the upset. I think my matchup for this week is Patrick Mahomes versus the players on the other side of the ball who are paid to tackle him. Because this is always the issue when you play against Patrick Mahomes is can you get him to the ground? He is such a incredible player at finding space in the pocket, finding space kind of outside the pocket, and then obviously being able to make plays down the field. The Jaguars had 19 individual pressures versus Mahomes in that, uh, I think it's a week 12 matchup. They got him to the ground zero times you know, zero sacks. They had 10% of those were unblocked pressures in the way that we chart them. They got them to the ground zero times. Like they got to get like, I know it's easier said than done. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes here, but they have to get him to the ground. So, you know, your matchups are really Josh Allen, defensive end, Arden Key, designated pass rushers, had a really good season. And rookie Trevon Walker, just like getting after him and getting him to the ground again. We say this every week about Patrick Mahomes, and every week he comes out and he does some magic. So, but that is the key here for the Jags defense. Yeah. So, just to pile on a little further, just for insight for some folks, we do a lot of radio hits at PFF across the country. I actually got brought on once this year, and they said your coworker Seth's bold prediction was the Chiefs were going to miss the playoffs. They brought that up like unprovoked. They just decided to ask me my thoughts on that. But anyway, I just figured I had to slide that in there. So. Anywho, uh, my follow-up question to you there is, in this first matchup, Mahomes was lights out between the numbers against the Jaguars. 15-21 to 21 for 187 yards and two touchdowns. Really was really productive over the middle. How can the, you know, and the, and the Chargers as well last week, a lot of Evan, uh, Evan Ingram, a lot of Gerald Everett, a lot of Donald Parham. How can the Jaguars shore things up over the middle of the field? Look, the, the thing is, the issue when you play the Chiefs is, and we talked about this for now like two off-seasons, is like, if you want to put bodies down in the middle of the field and play a cover three where you're going to have four underneath defenders, you're going to get exposed down the sideline. You're going to get exposed down the field because Mahomes will beat you that way. So teams are saying, hey, we're going to play a lot of quarters. We're going to play uh, this year. They're seeing a lot of cover one man to man coverage. So you can get the middle of the field because you just have less underneath defenders. Or if you're in man, um, you know, you can just win your slant when you're when a route like that and you can you can access the middle of the field. So that's kind of the issue. So now they did not play a lot of cover three against the Chiefs in their first matchup. Will they you know that if they do, it'll mitigate some middle of the field issues. But of course you give them other issues. So that would be the way you could do it. The question is, do they want to do that and give up other areas of the field? It's interesting. The, you know, the matchups that you can immediately draw from that are, okay, well, Travis Kelsey operates on the middle of the field. The Jacksonville Jaguars, it's interesting. The two worst units in the NFL at covering tight ends are playing this weekend. So I guess that tells you a couple of things. One is there's some opportunity. And the second is that it doesn't matter if you can cover tight ends or not. You can still make it to the divisional round. But the Jaguars' uh, PFF grade when covering tight ends is 38.1. That's dead last in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, 91.1 PFF grade, is dead first in the NFL. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 92.4 passing grade when targeting the uh, either inline or slot targets. That's the best in the NFL. Uh, the Jaguars' defense uh, covering those targets uh, is 31st in the NFL. So 
like it all lines up and I, you know, I just hesitate to think that they're going to be able to switch their scheme up for this, you know, on a dime and, and kind of make things happen. Um, is that something just real quick? I know we're not trying to add more questions here, but Seth, is that something that is hard for a team to do, or is it something that you'd expect the Jaguars to be able to do in this game? Well, and the one thing I'll add about the, the Jaguars is like the linebackers aren't very, haven't played very well this year. Like that also doesn't, you know, you can't just change your whole crew of linebackers and expect differences right here. Um, so, and they're young players. We're obviously Mumu and Lloyd, young players. So hopefully they grow in that role. But yeah, it's tough because you kind of, at this point of the season, you try to be who you are and you try and like deal with the issues that the offense is going to present to you within your scheme at a micro level. And you'll say, okay, when they're in this formation, you know, we, we can check to this. We can be alert for certain things and then, you know, play tighter to routes in one sense before, you know, if I'm in zone, maybe I'll play tighter to a slant before I have to get outside or something like that. So you can make these micro adjustments. I don't think it's tough. And maybe this is the wrong thing, but I'm going to say it's tough for teams to just change their um, their identity this late in the season. Or honestly, like even early in the season, we see it. Teams are kind of who they are. Now, should they be doing that more? That's a whole other discussion. But expect the Jacks to kind of be who they are this week and and just try and limit those plays over the middle of the field, you know, tackling well and all that stuff. All right, so I'm going to play some bets here. I'll start with you, Brad. What's your favorite bet in this game? Yep. So because the, the spread is now bet down to eight and a half, I am teasing the Chiefs so you can get it to two and a half, get it through seven and through three. Um, and I'm going to do that with the Philadelphia Eagles, which are seven and a half. So tease the Chiefs down to two and a half, tease the Eagles down to one and a half. That is how I'm playing uh, this Chief Jaguars game. I like where your head is at. Um, there are a couple of props that that I like in this game. Patrick Mahomes over two and a half passing touchdowns is minus it's now minus like 108 minus 110 um you could have gotten it i think at plus money to start but for all the reasons that we just mentioned um like that one quite a bit you know you could pair it with uh some kelsey overs as well um the other thing that i'm interested in and these aren't out yet but what sack props are like chris jones has a massive advantage against that interior line and he's been dynamite had one and a half sacks in their first first matchup. So those are a couple of angles um, that I'm looking at. It's supposed to be light snow and, and really cold. I could see that driving down Trevor Lawrence's passing yardage um, props. I actually saw it at 249.9 uh, um, or 249.5. So that'd be another place I'd look. Uh, Seth, what are you thinking? I'll, I'll add a little bit of color to your Chris Jones point. I thought um, the guard, Scherf, uh, Brandon Scherf played passable against him in the first game. Now it's Chris Jones. He's going to make plays on you for sure. The issue now is that Scherf is just, his body is just made of duct tape right now. He's just trying to get through it. He's, he's kind of, he's going to play, um, but you know, a lot of like lingering injuries. So that's going to be a tough matchup for him. And and then my pick for, uh, you know, for the bet for this game is Christian Kirk over 5.5 catches. You look at what the Jaguars did in the second half versus the, Versus the Chargers, they were getting a lot of man coverage. They said, we're not going to stop running all the routes over the middle of the field. We're going to go outside. We're going to run these outbreaking routes to Christian Kirk. He is so good on these routes. Cook Derwin James. He had a touchdown on one of them. Had another play. Had a bunch of catches in the second half. You look at the first game against the Chiefs. Chiefs came out and played a lot of cover two versus the Jaguars. And then 
The Jaguars were having some good opportunities. They weren't always completing them, but they had some good opportunities. So they said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to play cover one. We're going to play man coverage. And Christian Kirk, outbreaking routes in the second half. I think he had five catches in the second half versus in uh, versus the Chiefs. So Christian Kirk over 5.5. I think they start the game trying to hit those out routes for Christian Kirk. Okay, no, before, before we move on, real, real quick, yeah. George, I had to jump in here. Uh, DraftKings does have Chris Jones. It's not the great price. Over 0.75 sacks, which means you need a full sack, is minus 105. So not oh. even plus money on that. But but yeah, that's that's where it is on DraftKings. I know, not great. Suckers. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's brutal. Okay, let's move to Giants-Eagles. Um, in Philadelphia, these teams have played each other um, twice this year, of course, but twice in the last uh, five weeks of the season, week 14, um, the both teams played their starters. Um, the Eagles won by 26. Then in week 18, the Eagles played their starters, the Giants rested their starters, and of course, the Eagles only won by six, uh, not covering or coming close to covering a 16 and a half point closing spread. Obviously, both teams playing their starters in this game. The Giants, seven and a half point underdogs, total at 48. So, uh, Seth, what an interesting game. Obviously, these teams have seen each other a couple of times. Much of the conversation has been about Jalen Hurts' shoulder. Now, none of us are doctors here. So, like, why we would sit here and prognosticate about that, I don't know. Um, so, what are, you know, what's something that we do know about these two teams? that, um, you know, from a matchup perspective that will help us kind of figure out which side to bet on. Yeah. So I'm going to look at the other side and I'm going to say the matchup that is the most interesting to me is Daniel Jones versus routes that are actually covered versus concepts that are actually covered because the (laughs) Minnesota Vikings do not know how to cover a wide receiver and it made Daniel Jones look very good. Now he's having a good season, no doubt, but I think we've we've kind of gone to the other side of things with Daniel Jones after last week, where he's all of a sudden they need to give him a five-year contract and all that stuff. Like let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see what he can do versus a team that can actually cover routes that has two really good corners that has um, better zone coverage principles. I would say, you know, this team, the Vikings team was just all over the place and trying to match routes and everything like that. You're assuming the Eagles don't do that. And then we're set to say, okay, well now let's see who the real Daniel Jones is. So that that's where my head is at and not quite sure it's going to look as good as it did uh, a week ago against the Vikings. Yeah. So George, you touched on, or you teased it earlier. I'll let you explain it more, but uh, Dallas Goddard was the prop you were referring to for this game uh, opened at 41 and a half. It's now 48 and a half at most books. So we basically moved it like 18%, which is pretty hilarious, but uh, going back, <laughs> yeah. So going back to those matchups, uh, you know, the first giants game, there was no Dory Jackson against the Eagles and AJ Brown w- went bananas. The second game, like you said, they rested most of their guys, Hurst didn't do a ton, but the first throw of the game was like a 40-yard deep ball to A.J. Brown. Uh, the next play was a slant, a quick-out slant that he hit him on, and they scored quickly and then kind of get their foot off the gas. Um, that said, though, I just think both teams are going to score in this matchup. I mean, Seth, you mentioned we probably got a little bit too far in Daniel Jones, but Brian Dable, I think, is going to get guys open against this Eagles secondary. Uh, and, and the pass rush for the Eagles, obviously, 70 sacks, all those things, but... 
Josh Sweat did practice today, but he, I don't think he's still 100% healthy. And Evan Neal is kind of the squeaky wheel at right tackle for them right now. But I think if if you have a less than 100% Josh Sweat, could be wrong here, but I think he'll be more over the right tackle and Hassan Reddick is more over the left tackle. They mix and mass a bunch. You get Brandon Graham, all those things. But nevertheless, um, I like the over 48 here. I just think both teams are going to be able to move the football and score. And, you know, they didn't really show their cards at all in week 18. So it's kind of their second time playing. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I mean, look, I, I feel as though the Dallas Goddard, um, you know, the, the Dallas Goddard prop just has to be bet no matter what. You know, if you didn't get in there at 41 and a half, just, just ride with the squad no matter what. Um, he's He is, I think, been underrated from a tight end perspective. I mean, everyone talks about, uh, obviously, Kelsey, you know, Kittle gets some love here and there. You had the, you know, Waller had a nice little, um, you know, time there. But Dallas Goddard has been really good. Fourth highest graded tight end. The uh, the uh, Giants coverage grade versus tight ends is 38.8. That is the second worst. And of course, last week, one of the, the, the big printing press movement was around TJ Hawkinson. Um, I actually bet him seven to one to, to lead the game in receiving yards. He did 129 and 10 catches. So that that's where I'm, you know, continuing to head, but I, I do think there's some interesting, um, you know, I like the teaser that you brought up. Uh, Brad is certainly one to, to kind of watch, um, and, and probably bet because you never know what'll happen with, with some of these lines. Like you could see the Eagles moving out to something that is unteasable. Um, Seth, where's your head at in terms of the bet here? I'm going to stick on the Giants offense and say Isaiah Hodgins. Now, I don't have the number. Me and Brad were trying to find it before of catches. I'll say probably around 4.5. That seems about right for him. If it's 3.5, I love the over. Even at 4.5, I really like the over. He's the guy who's become their their option route runner, their short option route runner. You saw it time and time and time again against the Vikings. They trust him to win that matchup. You know, it's an option route. They trust him to make the right read. And Daniel Jones is finding him. You know, you also get your slants, your quick outs, your other hitches. So I think that he has become this really interesting figure for Daniel Jones to kind of get the ball off, uh, the ball out too quickly. So I like uh, uh, Isaiah Hodgins overs, over catches. His, uh, his receiving yardage prop is 44 and a half. Um, do you like that at all? That That to me is a little trickier just because you're talking about six yard hitches that get tackled on the mm-hmm. spot. So, you know, yes, there's some other plays that he could, that he'll be involved in down the field, of course. But if, if those plays are covered and then you're just talking about, hopefully, you know, he breaks a tackle somewhere on a, on a, on a quick route and, and, and gets another 10 yards. That's a little trickier. Dallas Goddard over a hundred yards is plus 680 on, uh, on Fanduel. You can thank me later. Let's go to Sunday, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Cincinnati and Buffalo. Somewhat of a rematch. We saw a couple of possessions worth of this game before Jamar Hamlin went down. He will uh, thankfully be, uh, I think, in attendance uh, for this game, right? He's like doing remarkably well, which is fantastic. Um, And uh, so able to play this game under much happier circumstances. What's interesting is this game is in Buffalo, you know, had Cincinnati won that game, uh, this game would be in Cincinnati. It is minus five. It has moved a little bit um, in the direction of Buffalo over the course of the last couple of days. Um, 
And, uh, you know, it seems to be that that is a reaction to the offensive line of the Bengals being really banged up with no Jonah Williams and no Alex Kappa. Um, ironically, that doesn't even put their worst uh, uh, offensive lineman on the field because he was already starting at right tackle. Uh, total at 48. Um, there should be some light snow winds in the 10 to 15 mile an hour range, real feel around 24 degrees. Um, and so for people wondering, you know, why the total is below 50, those are some reasons why. Um, this figures to be a close game, but the spread maybe kind of says that people think the Bills are going to kind of run away with this. Seth, where do you see, I mean, is it, is it the offensive line and do you see anything that the Bengals that you think can have, have done that will be successful in mitigating that? Or do you think there's another matchup that will decide this one? Well, we, we'll talk about two sides of the ball here. I think with the Bengals offense, I like them better than you would think given their last two games where they really mm-hmm. struggled to move the ball against the Ravens. I think the Ravens give them so much trouble. Mike McDonald did a really good job scheming up against them, rotating coverages late, really disguising what their intentions were pre-snap into post snap. And so that just gave it just so much trouble. And obviously the offensive line stuff is never, it's never going to be easy, but I think they could have a better day against the bills. Now, obviously we don't, you know, we, we, we thought we were going to see this matchup a few weeks ago. We saw one drive, maybe one and a half drives. They do score a touchdown. I know you don't want to extrapolate off of that, but they, this is a team that I think the Bengals could move the ball against. It's not, uh, a a ferocious pass rush without Von Miller. It really just they've they've crumbled in that sense since Von Miller's injury. So I think I and I understand how bad the Bengals offensive line is going to be this week, but I think Burrow quick passing can get the ball out, take enough shots down the field when they get the one-on-ones, they always will. And if those you know playmakers on the outside you know catch a couple of those balls, which again they always do. Um, they, they, I think they actually should be able to move the football uh, quite a bit. And the, and the other side of the thing is you look at Josh Allen last week against the Dolphins, and now the Dolphins see Josh Allen all the time. You know, their defense coordinator, Josh Boyer, I guess has game planned for him, I would say, nine times now. So three seasons plus a playoff game. So they're probably just at their wit's end of what they're trying to do with uh, against him. But what was really rough to watch was all the guys who were just getting one-on-one shots down the field over the middle of the field because the safeties were playing short. You know, they were blitzing. Mm-hmm. So you got the cover zero looks, you got a lot of cover one looks where the safety was really low and trying to nail down on crossing routes. Got a lot of, you know, bracket looks where the both safeties were low and, and double teaming digs and another player, which allowed routes over the top. That's not the, what the Bengals are going to do. The Bengals are going to try and force Josh Allen to beat them over and over again with shorter passes so it won't look like the, like it's fun to watch Josh Allen versus a defense like the Dolphins because he he's the, one of the few quarterbacks who can make a chaotic game look even more chaotic in a good way. But I think the Bengals would keep him in check a little better than the Dolphins were able to do. So for me, the, the matchup is the Bengals just playing their safeties deep, not getting beat deep. Yeah, you know, obviously the storyline is going to be the Bengals offensive line. But for me, too, I mean, the interior for the Bills outside of center Mitch Morse has serious issues. I mean, Roger Saffold and Ryan Bates are not very good. DJ Reader has been really, really good this season. Um, it, there's a lot of you know interesting things going on here, too, with like in the Bills run the ball. I know they have very high yards per carry, which is probably because of light box counts and other factors. But the Bengals haven't been able to run the ball for about a month. Um, so, you know, I took the, the Bills minus three and a half. It's now five, five and a half. I know George and Arjun vehemently disagreed with me on that one. But um, my thought here is, you know, you, know, you, you mentioned um, 
that they're going to have to probably hit some deep shots against the Bills secondary that hasn't been great and they can't generate a pass rush. I'm only at longest reception props for T. Higgins. I can't find anything yet as of right now. His total is 66 and a half. So I would guess we'll get something, I don't know, 21 and a half to 24 and a half type range um, for him. And I think they'll hit one of those deep balls to T. Higgins. So a couple, uh, um, I have a couple of bets that I like. My first question to you, Seth, is, do you expect so Trey White has not graded well? He's coming back from injury, just a 62.7 PFF grade. Jackson on the other side is banged up and has been worse. Do you think that Trey White is playing better than his grade of late? Slash, do you think that he'll travel with Chase? And like, does that expose Higgins as a as an opportunity? Because I think about those quick throws that could go to the house my immediate thought is Jamar Chase. Like, that's his game. But how do you see that shaking out from a game plan perspective? Yeah, Trey just hasn't been very good this season. And I'd have to brush up a little bit on my knowledge of the uh, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense, but I do not believe they travel. No, so I, I don't think, think they do. I don't think No, I don't think they do at all. So I, I think you're, you'll get him on one side of the field um, okay. for the whole game. Okay, so I, I like Jamar Chase. I like him a lot. I liked him last week. He had like seven catches in the first, you know, seventeen minutes of the game. It was uh, it was a good it was a good week. But there's actually a wide receiver cornerback matchup here that's even more advantageous. Eli Apple got shaken into a nether world by was it Darius Robertson Robinson Demarcus Robinson Demarcus Robinson. Okay, <laughs> my apologies to Demarcus Robinson, former chief, as Eric would say. Um, like Eli Apple was in a club dancing after that, after that route. Stefan Diggs, there might not be a bigger mismatch than Stefan Diggs running a route against Eli Apple. So like that to me is just, it may only happen once, <laughs> uh, you know, if the, if the Bengals are smart, they're going to do everything they can to avoid that happening. But I don't know how that's the case because Kenny Taylor Britt on the other side has been equally miserable. So uh, I love Diggs here in a game that, Look, Diggs is a passionate player. He is he is he is the guy that you expect to show up as a result of this being an, a little bit more of an emotional game because of all that transpired the last time that these guys played. Remember that Stefan Diggs actually went to the hospital after Demar Hamlin went there. Um, so Diggs right now is over eighty and a half receiving yards. Um, is I think is, is tempting. I don't actually see on Fanduel the receptions prop. I would expect it to be six and a half. Um, and I will roll with the over there on uh, my main man, Stefan Diggs. Um, what, what are you thinking, Seth? I, I just kind of like like what I was saying with the Bengals offense. Bengal team total. And I think Brad told me he saw it at 21 and a half at some at, at FanDuel. Probably I'm willing to go up to like 23 and a half. I just think this is a matchup that that looks good for them on paper feeling less about that because of the offensive line issues. Like if you would have told me this before the Ravens game, okay, they're going to get through the Ravens, you know, the big favorites, and they're going to go play the bills and every, you know, Jonah Williams is going to be fine. Not I mean, Jonah Williams, like not very good either way against the Ravens, but I, I think it would have felt better, but I do think this is a good matchup for them. So I'll, I'll take Bengals over 21 and a half. The Sunday night game. This game is, uh, a wet dream for a lot of people, uh, especially if you're from Dallas or San Francisco. And as a result, tickets are costing like 10K to go to this game. 
really the least surprising thing that I've heard is that these tickets are are astronomically high in San Francisco. Dallas comes in. Um, you would have thought they won the Super Bowl based on the coverage they're getting. Um, it turns out, no. In fact, they just played uh, Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, which makes anyone look pretty good. Um, they are three and a half point underdogs um, to the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. The Brock Purdy-led San Francisco 49ers, who, as I check my notes here, have scored in their last uh in their game since Brock Purdy took over 33 35 21 37 37 38 and 41 points they cannot be stopped Seth what's the matchup in this game that you're most excited to watch well I'll start I'll go both sides of the ball start you know you talk about Brock Purdy just some 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 thoughts on Brock Purdy I do really believe that this is all Kyle Shanahan plus supporting cast led but what I will say about Purdy is what he gives them that Jimmy Garoppolo does not give them is the ability to throw the ball down the field, especially down the sideline. That's just not something that Jimmy Garoppolo would ever do. Give his players a chance in one-on-one situations. And then I think probably the most important thing is his mobility, his escapability in the pocket. I'm not saying he's not like, he's not Michael Vick, but he can move around. You saw him make some plays. He's um, finding the check down. Like if even that, you know, being able to escape a, a sack, find a check down, to, to a guy like McCaffrey, to a guy like Debo Samuel, obviously this is such an incredible supporting cast that those plays end up going for, for positive yards. And the other side of the ball, the Cowboys need to find a way to deal with all these crossing routes, these deep crossing routes, deep overs that the 49ers are going to throw at them. A absolutely miserable job by the Seattle Seahawks last week leaving their corners out to dry, kind of playing in a way that say, hey, we're going to leave it up to the corners. But these are tough routes, right? They're condensed formations, you know, routes that run across the field, just really tough. So how do you deal with these crossing routes if you're the Cowboys? And the Cowboys are going to give them similar looks to the looks that the 49ers saw um, that the Seahawks were playing that that led them to these deep crossing routes to Ayuk and, and, uh, and Debo and and, and really open up the game for them. So how do you do that? Again, you can play it with the linebackers from bottom up with a thing we call a robot technique. You can play it from top down with the safeties, a thing we call nail technique. But you got to pick one and you got to do it or else they're going to hit these routes all day. So that to me is my number one matchup and in, in how the, the, the Cowboys can can deal with them. And just real quick on that, Jaron Curse, the safety, got hurt in that game, but uh, said he's 100% going to play. So if they're going to do some, all right, I'm already blanking, the opposite of robot, if they're going to pivot to the other, the other direction, Jaron Curse should be good to go. Nail. So, um, and Leighton Vander Esch had a nice pass breakup in the end zone. So, um, my question for you, though, look, it's been a full year since this game happened, of course. They are different rosters, probably most notably, no Mari Cooper for Dallas. But, you know, look at last year's playoff game, infamously, you know, the Cowboys sneaking the ball and, and, uh, with five seconds left and losing. Um, kind of where are we at now? What can Dallas do to move the ball more effectively this time around? The one thing, and honestly, if Dallas moves the ball and wins this game, you can really go and look at last year's playoff game that they lost and say this is the turning point. And I think we actually talked about this on the podcast, if I if if I am uh, not mistaken, but it's a CD Lamb alignment. They did not, you said Amari Cooper played that game, but I believe Michael Gallup did not play in the playoff game last year. One of the two didn't, right? Oh, you're right. So Gallup's one of the two out. outside, yeah, outside receiver out. And the Cowboys said, okay, we don't have this outside receiver, Gallup, who's I think all three of us think is a really good player. We're going to move CeeDee Lamb outside. 
And this was just, and I, I, it makes sense because, you know, at that time, the corners for San Francisco really were not their strength. Their strength was over the middle of the field, you know, matching routes with those linebackers, those safeties. It just didn't work. I think CeeDee Lamb played all but four snaps in the slot that, that day. This year, he just doesn't get a lot of snaps outside. They've mixed it up a lot more. I think you'll see them say, okay, he's our best player. How do we get him involved? Yes, the 49ers are still really good inside, but we can get him involved. We can He can be the one that unlocks this 49ers defense. That, to me, would be, if we see that, they'll have learned from their mistake last season. That's interesting. I, the Kyle Shanahan, uh, Dan Quinn um, matchup is the one that I, I just think is so interesting because Dan Quinn had the benefit of matching up against Byron Leftwich. So, I mean, this is going from, you know, fighting a, a you know, statue made of feathers to um, Thor. <laughs> like it is, you know, I, I came with that on the spot, by the way. So um, you're, you're welcome. Um, so good. It's so good. <laughs> so good. I, I don't know. I was trying to come up with something, but um, I mean, it's, it's just a massive, massive difference. And, you know, kind of all the way back to, you know, Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator, and he has a lot of talent on his team, but kind of the way that he thinks about defense is one that is, you know, we want to react fast. We want to like, we're going to play the things we play and we want to be able to move quickly. And I just think that that is in Kyle Shanahan's wheelhouse because Kyle Shanahan is so smart that he is going to know how those guys are going to react. And he's got, you know, five playmakers that are all, just impossible to stop between Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey, Ayuk, and I mean, even Juwan Jennings has been good. So, um, you know, that offensive line as well at his disposal, I think is going to be really interesting. For that reason, actually, the bet that I really like in this game is over. Um, so it's 57, um, you know, degrees, just some scattered clouds, 46 points. You know, I don't know if this is just distrust of BCB, our guy, um, or if this is thinking that the Cowboys kind of come back to earth, which, you know, I think they will, but if the Cowboys are playing from behind, they're going to have to throw the ball. CD lamb is good. Dak Prescott is good. Um, they'll put up enough points to get over 46. Um, I like that. I also like Niners plus three and a, or minus three and a half. Um, Brad, what about you? Yeah. So, um, look, we obviously talked ourselves into the bucks after trying to tell ourselves to not talk ourselves into the bucks all year, but <laughs> so I'm not going to fully take away from the Cowboys win, but I mean, that is probably the oldest and slowest team in the NFL with significant injuries across, you know, both units. I think in particular, without Shaq Barrett, you know, Joe Tranchink is a good young player, but they really had like no edge pressure in that game. Or if they did, Dak could kind of just evade it and, and it wasn't really a big problem. And now you're playing the 49ers, right? And, and then on the flip side, you mentioned, you know, the, the Niners are first in EPA per play since Brock Purdy took over as a starter. Like they're the best offense in the NFL um, since Brock Purdy took over. So, for me, I think the injuries to Jason Peters is probably not going to play in this game, which will lead to more shuffling. I guess Tyler Smith will go back to left tackle, Connor McGovern at left guard, and keep Tyron Smith at right tackle, which hasn't been super pretty. Um, I'm not really sure why you wouldn't put him back at left tackle, but I I'm not the coach. But nevertheless, I, I think the Niners minus three and a half. I think it is an overreaction to, oh, they beat Tom Brady, they beat the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers stink. And Tom Brady is, is good, but the team was just not good anymore. Um, I think the Niners minus three and a half is my favorite play of the weekend. Wow. Lock of the week right. preview. Seth, what about you? All right, let's let's have some fun here. Yes. We're going. First touchdown will be scored under six minutes. 
and it'll be the 49ers. And you want to go crazy, you can maybe add like a Christian McCaffrey first touchdown uh, touchdown score uh, prop in there. Like it's the 49ers. We know what they're about. First 15 plays of the game, they are lights out. Since Brock Purdy came in, they're fourth in EPA per play, first 15 plays of the game. They're great on the first play of each drive. Dallas is middle of the pack on defense, first 15 plays. Dallas on defense, Dallas offense is middle of the pack, first 15 plays um, since Dak came back. So even if Dallas gets the ball first, you can get a three and out, just like what happened um, on Monday night. Let's have some fun. 49ers first touchdown in the game under six minutes. So, I mean, they either need to take the opening kickoff or, you know, another thing that kind of works in your favor there is the Niners defense, right? And so if the Cowboys start with the ball, you know, you've got a nice opportunity to maybe get a, a three and out or, you know, maybe one first down and still have an opportunity to, to, to score there. So there's kind of two ways, two ways to win. What odds are you getting on that? Uh, I looked at it. I, it was about like, um, sorry, this is my translation here, like a multiplier 4.2, whatever Jesus. that means. I was told there'd be no math. It was plus 320, <laughs> I think is how that works, I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. how it works. <laughs> um, my pet peeve is people complaining about American odds. Uh, Seth, <laughs> we need a divisional round, either a pet peeve or a, yeah. a patented Seth Galina soft spot. Which one will it be this I, week? I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I've already taken up too much of your time. Pet peeve this week. When we talk about quarterbacks outside of the pocket, we always talk about, wow, he, does, he did a great job of keeping his eyes down the field. And that's what makes him this really good player out of structure or, you know, he can make a good play out of structure. I, I've been around quarterbacks for a long time. They all keep their eyes up down the, when they leave the pocket. That's the easy thing. We all do that. The hard thing is throwing accurate footballs when you're on the move, when you're outside of structure. That is what makes guys like Patrick Mahomes this incredible talent because he gets outside the pocket and he's still able to throw these super accurate footballs. So I can go on and on about this. I won't, but that is my pet peeve of the week. You know, Seth slipped a we in there. He's like us, us quarterbacks <laughs> when we, you know, we all keep our eyes downfield. I'm <laughs> like Patrick Mahomes. I'm very inaccurate when I get outside. the pocket. <laughs> Seth Galina full of peeves and an athlete. We appreciate you. Thanks for breaking down all of the games and for staying with us. We'll, of course, only have two next week. Uh, so how we'll spend 35 minutes on two games, I, I have no idea. I don't know if we'll be able to do it. Seth Lean at PFL underscore Seth. Go check him out. Love you, brother. Thank you. See you guys. Um, we just talked about a bunch of games, and uh, you should take all of that knowledge and use it somewhere. If you have not signed up for a sports book yet, or if you're looking for one that will give you um, the best experience, go to DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, all of the NFL playoff action can be enjoyed uniquely well on DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Here's the deal. You use promo code PFF and you can bet just $5 and then get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus all new. And if you're an existing customer, you can take advantage of this as well. Get even bigger payouts with DraftKings. Step up, same game parlays, boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. So you know, you're thinking about some of the games that we just talked about, you want to parlay some of those things together. Maybe it's you know Dallas Goddard, just climb the Dallas Goddard ladder and uh, and profit. Um, you can uh, you can do so on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download it right now. Use promo code PFF. $5 gives you $200 in free bets instantly. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions 
they do apply. You can see those in the show notes. Also, our friends at Western and Southern, well, if you put that money that you win to good use, whether it's buying a home, getting life insurance, planning for a new child, uh, or just saving your money and watching it grow, um, maybe Judah's going to Western Southern uh, to, to handle his parlay winnings. Um, go westernsouthern.com slash PFF. They'll put a game plan together to help you maximize your future. And last but not least, our friends at Underdog, um, go check them out. It's the best way to enjoy fantasy football, and you can do so without having to deal with the season-long steps. You can play weekly and playoff-long contests, use promo code PFF, and deposit up to $100 and get that doubled at Underdog Fantasy, the Underdog Fantasy app. It's super simple. It's a really easy way. And if you're in a state where you can't bet, it's a great place to go. Use promo code PFF and get in on the action today. All right. Judah, you've come on this podcast basically every week. You drop knowledge. Um, we've talked about your ability to pick out a contrarian viewpoint and capitalize. Um, this weekend was uniquely special, not just because of the win, okay, but more so because of the loss. All right, so let me give a quick recap for for the viewers. Where I'm sitting in the uh, I'm sitting at home. I've got I've got the PFF printing press Discord up. I've got you know live. Uh, game view up, got sports look up, and someone is like, dude, Judah is about is about to hit it. It's a big one. So you have a same game parlay. I want to say six or seven legs. It is a four. giant four? Just four. Just four. Okay. Just four. And it is it is basically a, a giant's viewpoint, right? And you've got the Giants and they're winning and it looks like everything's going to hit. One of your legs is Daniel Jones over 80 rushing yards. And of course, my guy takes a few knees at the end of the game and pushes that under. Okay. What odds did you have on that? Oh, I want to say it was 180 to one. I think that's right. 180 to one. So you are, you know, you are buying a uh, a small uh, yacht and it just goes away with Daniel freaking Jones. So I want you to now tell us and tell the, the members of the printing press where your head was at and then what the next 24 hours was like. Okay. I mean, there's there's so much to, to get to here. Honestly, I was more upset about, I had a bet earlier in the day with like Skylar Thompson. I needed five more yards from him. And just the way that game ended had me on such tilt because it was like, okay, I'll get the first down on the fourth and one. Uh like then he'll throw for five yards and at the very end like okay i might get the ball back with 20 seconds left uh if they stop the bills on third and nine or whatever he's gonna get five garbage time passing yards and that was like upsetting because it was so stupid because it was like a a fourth and one delay again for some reason and this has happened to me before obviously on a much smaller scale i placed like a joe burrow rushing prop in like week 14 a live prop and i lost it on these so in the back of my mind this entire time was like i know i actually need to get to 83 yards because they're going to be needs involved. Um, at the same time, I grew up a Giants fan. I actually hadn't really, like, uh, my fan had basically dwindled over the years. And for some reason, watching that game, maybe because I knew I was rooting for this Daniel Jones parlay, but I, I <laughs> sniffed the first senses of fandom in like six years. Look at that. <laughs> um, and I was just, I was just like in shock. I saw it coming um, and I knew the needs were coming. And like Daniel Jones got a pitch. Uh, I think it was on the second to last drive. And I'm like, this is it. Like he's got to uh, get like seven or eight yards here to keep me safe. 
Um, and I like stood up when I saw the draw and like, you got like one yard, got the sneak. And I was just praying, praying that like Minnesota would, uh, either end the game or, uh, just like give the ball back to the giants with less than uh, 40 seconds left just to get that one day. It was, it so, was devastating. Okay. So the next day comes around. Okay. So the next day comes around. I do two things. Um, I build my usual, uh, kind of same game parlay. So, uh, unfortunately couldn't give this out uh, on the forecast as I usually do, but I wrote it up for PFF, which is my main angle was that I thought that Dallas was going to win and they were going to win through the pass. So I kind of allocated most of my betting to the same bet I wrote up, which is Dak Prescott 250 uh, and the Cowboys minus five and a half. It was plus 400. And uh, I also decided to you know allocate a portion of my betting unit as I usually do to building uh, a bigger same game parlay. Generally, I like keep it to two or three outcomes at like 20 to one. Uh, but I was like, you know what, after, uh, after last week, I think after, after yesterday, like, I think I'm going to, you know, increase it this time. Um, and it was essentially like a, basically the same thesis as I wrote up, but just give it a couple more outcomes. So I took the Zeke under, cause I thought they were going to pass. I extended the DAC passing yards more, took a little T Y Hilton, but it was all revolving around the same thesis. Um, and I was like, okay, like, what are the chances this hits slim? But most of my betting money is going to, you know, 250 and minus five and a half. And that was a very strong conviction play that I had. Whatever, I'm watching the game. I see T.Y. Hilton gets a, a mm-hmm. couple catches. Um, I'm like, okay, that's done. I'm like, okay, there's, Pollard's getting most of the work. Uh, Prescott's moving the ball well. And then, like, midway through the second quarter, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this game script is setting up perfectly. Uh, and at halftime, Dak had, like, 190. And I'm like, we're so live. Uh, and then, you know, I usually, I, I like don't get like irrational fears. Like, I don't understand when people have that. I was so paranoid those last five minutes that like, uh, Zeke was going to get the ball. He's going to break off a third yard run. Yeah. Like somehow, uh, I'm going to lose this in some like insane way. Uh, and I was like, there's no way he's going to get back into the game. They're up by like 25. Sure enough, like Zeke steps on the field and I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like, there's no way. This yeah. is going to happen. Thankfully, thankfully, uh, we, we came out the other side and I, it's actually surreal to like win, uh, $50,000, uh, sports betting. I will, yeah. I will add for, for members of the press to add to the, uh, kind of drama of this all in my tilt on the Daniel Jones, uh, night, I placed like another, I put like 50 bucks on a like crazy, like, uh, I think it was 350 to one on DraftKings. I didn't even remember I placed it. I just like did it right after. I came five Dak Prescott rushing yards short of hitting that one too for an additional forty thousand oh dollars. It was absolute madness. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, the toughest plus fifty thousand dollar weekend of anyone I've ever met. Oh it was, my it was god! Black. <laughs> what could it? What could have been? Did you end up? So I saw you. You obviously were a little hesitant to you know to to let people know you were on the verge. But I was mon- I was, you know, um, it was Monday night, and you came into uh, one of the one of the Discord chats, and were like, "Does anyone have uh, Zeke rushing yards live?" Like, so you were trying, you were thinking of actually betting, uh, hedging on that. Was that? Did you yeah. end up buying yeah. any Zeke? I didn't. Nothing was available. Okay. I also there was a huge middle available because like the Zeke yeah. props were at twenty seven and a half. And I needed under 50 and a half. Yeah. So I was like, okay, at least I like uh, might get a middle and I got to hedge this. There's so much money on the line, but everything was locked. Um, and I was just like asking every person I knew, 
uh, and I was trying not to look at my phone because I was watching on a delay. Usually I'm not on a delay. And I knew like a bunch of people were going to text me like the results of the play. And I just kind of wanted to, to watch it as it was happening. But I'm very thankful I didn't get any, uh, you know, Zeke hedge down. No, no Zeke hedges. Um, I should just say that, you know, there's a lot of people out there on, on Twitter that win in a very lucky fashion. You see their, you know, their slips all over the place. Um, but, uh, you know, you do such a fantastic job of really putting thought and detail, um, and a tremendous amount of work behind these. So does it surprise me? Absolutely not. Like that, uh, that you have, you know, one that hit and two more that almost hit. Um, so, I mean, you know, we, we are so appreciative of you coming on and hanging out with us and dropping some knowledge. Um, but everyone out there should go and make sure they're following you at throw the damn ball on Twitter, read all of your great content. Uh, on PFF and the PFF app, like you said, I mean, you write these up every single week. This is not like something that you've got to go, you know, subscribe to a uh, like, you know, clandestine site to go find. Um, you're spreading this knowledge. So this week, let's start with um, with some uh, some alternative angles, my man. Yeah. So I think we're going to go with Joey B and the Bengals. I we're out so. This is a, I thought this is where he was heading. Yep. And Cincinnati minus two and a half plus 500. I want to actually start with the criticism that I know is coming and the thing that everyone's talking about, which is that right, the Cincinnati O-line's done, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, Joe Burrow, when throwing before two and a half seconds, generally we define as quick pressure, as the number one PFF grade by a large margin at 90.6. I think the next one is 85. Uh, he's averaging like 0.12 EPA per play. And I will note, this is exactly what the Bengals did last week. Uh they ran 82% of their plays. Granted, they struggled against the Ravens defense, but they made an adjustment uh, to basically operate only on quick passes to mitigate pressure. Bills are not exactly good at defending these sorts of plays. This was actually an angle we talked about in uh, the Cowboys-Bucks game last week, which is that uh, the Bucks really were going to struggle, I thought, against the Cowboys defense uh, in these quick situations because the Cowboys had the best EPA per play against those, those spots. I think it's kind of the opposite here, which is that the Bengals are going to, they're adjustable uh, to the game plan. They're going to throw quick passes. I'm not sure the Bills are going to be able to stop that. Um, okay. That's the kind of offensive line part aside. We're just looking at these two teams kind of from a fundamentals perspective. They're kind of like the same. If you want to look at EPA, drive quality, especially if you uh, kind of filter, which I don't love to do always, but like with Jamar Chase back, uh, these teams are basically the same. Like sure, home field advantage. Maybe I'd have the Bills as small favorites, but I certainly wouldn't have this number at five. Uh, the other part uh, so we know how the Bengals are going to play. They're passing about 10 to 15% over expectation every single week now uh, for basically the past eight games. They're going to throw. If they're going to have success, right? if we assume that the outcome of the Bengals winning, it's going to be through Joe Burrow. Uh, the, the Bills have been a kind of low-key bottom-tier pass defense uh, basically since Von Miller went down. If the, if the Bengals are going to win, it's going to happen through Joe Burrow. They're going to pass a ton. If they're going to keep up with Josh Allen, you're going to need Burrow passing yards. And I see at plus 500 at some serious value. Brad, you're wearing was, your Bengals color shirt. Well, so I was actually, well, first I was going to ask, can I hold a dollar? But but second, I was going to ask, um, you know, an SGP with, with Bengals, you know, alternate spread to minus, you know, minus odds. And then, or, you know, minus on the spread. And then Joey Burrow overs, probably some mix and unders because they can't run. And then I was going to throw in a Stephon Diggs touchdown if he just burns Eli Apple on a sluggo like our guy Demarcus Robinson did. So uh, I think we're on the yeah. same page there. But, um, yeah, just just that was, that was awesome to see. And I'm happy to – I'm ready to tail this weekend. 
So uh, this is actually a really good question because um, so Ben Brown, uh, our our friend, member of the press um, and team are building um, a simulation and some of the, the members in our Discord are going to get to test it out. But thinking about the way to kind of present the, the tooling for people to use, right? And it sounds like your heuristic here, um, Judah, is anchoring on a thesis, pulling out like kind of an anchor bet. Okay, so if this happens, you know, so if the Bengals win this game, you know, take them minus two and a half. And then, you know, what are the key drivers there? So let me put in Burrow, right? Let me put in, are you, you know, you're thinking about what are these things that are all going to be a little more correlated together if this one thing happens? What are the other ones that come to mind for you? We have Bengals minus two and a half, you know, Joey B. Um, you know, are you immediately looking at certain receivers, running back unders? Like, just take us through your thought process. There. Yeah, yeah. So in general, it's going to depend on the team. So as a like, general note on process, um, this week, not as much because the Bengals have so many different receivers and so many ways they can win, right? They can win through like Jamar Chase explosive plays. They can win through T. Higgins deep balls. They can win through multiple throws to, you know, Tyler Boyd. Uh, and Hayden Hurst, like they've been doing all of those things. Uh, that I'm less, this doesn't like strike me exactly as a kind of SGP type week where I can really build something out, but it's really to focus on this like one thesis, right? That doesn't, uh, doesn't take too much to go right, which is that like Burrow, I think is a good bet to, to get passing yards. I don't really know where the secondary options are going to come from. I don't know where those yards are going to come from, uh, right? Just to kind of illustrate the thought process, the thought process, because mm-hmm. I think that's what you're getting at, like, yeah. I, I thought last week, right, with the, the Cowboys, it was going to all flow through the middle of the field. That's where Tampa's weak. It's going to go to Schultz, probably going to go to Lamb. Uh, I don't think that same angle kind of exists against the Bills and with the, with the Bengals passing offense. Yeah, it's interesting, right? You're kind of trying to figure out, okay, if these if these couple things happen, which are the things that increase, you know, which are the most likely kind of end paths to that, right? And, and so you kind of articulated three. I guess so. You could place, you know, you could place all three, uh, yeah. right, and and sure. kind of see which ones happen. Like I think, um, you know, Brad will take the T Higgins route. I will take the Jamar Chase route. And Judah, if you want to fill out a little Tyler Boyd, and that way we just pool our Perfect. pool our winnings. Um, they call that a syndicate in the business. Uh, in case you guys are wondering, <laughs> um, been been a member of a few of those. Uh, none of which traded Pokemon cards in exchange for um for winning, but only true members will get that joke. Um. Let's move to some live, uh, some live action here. We've got teams that I think throughout the year we've talked about a lot from a live perspective. Um, so, you know, where are some of the angles? Maybe you have one for um, each day, hopefully to keep me engaged. But what, what, where are you looking this week? Yeah, I'll first start with a broad note. I wish I could have said this last week because it would have been extremely profitable. But generally, teams in the playoffs are going to have good offenses. That's kind of how the NFL operates in 2022. And as we said all season, that you know, good offenses and volatility uh, kind of go hand in hand because for every score uh, that a team has, like the odds are going to move and you want to have a good offense on the other side that can come back and trade points. And if you're trading points, there's going to be, you know, value in the market. So I would just say for any team that kind of gets out to a big lead, the offenses are capable of making comebacks. There's generally going to be value available. Uh, I think that's certainly true for all the games this week. Um, but to go through each game because, you know, we have to. There are only four games. That's the playoffs. We got to have our angles. Um, I think the Jaguars coming back, uh, even if it doesn't get out too far, is a pretty good angle. Uh, if they turn it over on the first drive, which is seemingly a commonality every week, uh, or even if not, they've been much, much better off script than on. Uh, it's, I think, the fourth biggest discrepancy of any team. We know they can mount comebacks. We all watch the Chargers-Jaguars game. That's something I'll be, I'll be looking for. 
Okay, Giants Eagles. Uh, this a little bit less uh, analytically based, uh, although it does have its basis there. Which is that my thesis on the Giants uh, is that actually the receivers might be better than we think, uh, and kind of oh. the team's undergone a, a change. Yeah, it's both. Uh, whatever receivers or scheme combo with receivers, I don't really care. If receivers are open, the receivers are open. Um, but, but hold on, note you did okay. mention that your heartstrings had had gone back <laughs> to the to the Giants here. So huge, huge asterisk on this. Okay, unclear, <laughs> unclear if that was just because I was written for that Daniel Jones part that we're gonna find out on Saturday night. Um, no, but even like in like PFF separation metrics, Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James especially they grade out really high, uh, especially when you look at the fact that like Dable is creating something we worked on this summer it was like perfectly covered plays. What we actually mm-hmm. found was that. More so than defense, it's driven by offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of a combination of scheme, receiver talent, and then obviously the matchup a bit as well. But like, Giants were facing perfectly covered plays 20% of the time last week. I don't think that happens by accident. Yes, the, the Vikings have a bad defense, uh, but it does point to kind of uh, some ability, whether it's the, the scheme or the wide receivers, to get open. So what I want to see uh, is basically the Giants' game plan last week was to throw on early downs no matter what. Uh, Right, that definitely benefited me with the Barkley under. Um, but that was their game plan. And I think if they stick to that and they have success early, they're going to be able to pass the ball because these receivers might actually be better than the market kind of is giving them credit for. Uh, in which case, I think there's definitely going to be value on on the Giants spread. Okay, next we got, what's what's the 3 o'clock game? I'm not even... Uh, it's Bills-Bengals, baby. Okay, Bills-Bengals is first. Oh, uh, Honestly, whichever team jumps out to a lead, Take the over on the passing props, under on the rushing props. Mm. Uh, I think the market has a tendency to kind of price in the league average here. Uh, it doesn't get into team tendencies. And both of these teams pass about 10 to 15% above expectation uh, when holding you know, a seven-point lead. Again, as I said earlier, also, I would just trade volatility in this game. These are two great offenses. Uh, they can score at will. Uh, nothing too special there, but it's, it's ripe for live betting. And last, I mean, it's tough with Purdy. Because, you know, anything you look at, uh, he's going to be shining. But there's something about, I don't know, if it's watching the film uh, or just like rookie quarterback that there's a little bit of uh, kind of uncertainty there. I want to see how he fares against the uh, Dallas pass rush. And that's something I'm monitoring, which is are they throwing kind of screens to mitigate that? Uh, are they, you know, even letting Purdy have long developing plays? And is the offensive line uh, going to protect them? Uh, that's something I'm looking for. It's more so kind of to see how, how Purdy's going to play. I think we know what the Dallas game plan is going to be, uh, which is they're going to try and run the ball. Uh, probably won't have success against the uh, Niners front, but they're unafraid to pass. I think they'll have moderate success. The question is, is Brock Purdy the quarterback who's going to be you know top two in EPA? I don't care how good he is. I don't know how he's producing. Uh, he's been producing at an elite clip uh, ever since he started. I want to see if the pass rush of the Cowboys can uh, kind of slow him down at all. BCB. Do you have that tattoo yet, Brad? I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm going next week. <laughs> Hopefully, you get some good illustration. You know, around chicken, that like too. on the yeah, on the the. I post feel like the as, guy as a Niner fan, that's got to be that's got to be yours. Uh, yeah, I'm waiting for the Super Bowl. Um, there's some good tattoo artists in the Phoenix Glendale area. Um, sure, there are. So yeah, just a a big portrait on the left butt cheek. I think is what we're what we're looking for. Um, I can't wait. It's going to be great. If it's freaking Mahomes Purdy, I can't go through another another one of those. That's just I was there for the. What the a terrib- Purdy yeah. would hit Emmanuel Sanders deep. He would he, he would yeah. he would complete that pass. What it's a terrible problem to have. That up. 
I know. I know. Well, and the other thing is Ayuk would die for that shit. Yeah. That's that's important. Um, Judah, this is a blast. Hopefully, we all hit a same game parlay uh this week and uh enjoy it. But um, yeah, thank you for uh for dropping some knowledge. Good luck this week, though. You don't really need it. Maybe you spread it around a little bit. Um, but uh, congratulations again. Could not have happened to a more deserving human being. Um, we will see you again next week, brother. Thanks for hanging out. Yep. All right. It is that time. It is divisional locks of the week. Arjun, you were patient. We had we had to hear Judah's entire story about, uh, he told us about the um, both not hitting the same game parlay on Sunday and then obviously hitting the one on uh, on Monday. And it's now time for locks of the week. How many same game parlays are you going to play this week, by the way, after that? Uh, <laughs> after that? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not going to like try to replicate what Judah does because that was, again, like that's a very tough thing to replicate. Um, definitely something to keep in mind going into like next year. Obviously, those type of things, the the books aren't pricing in. And when Judah hits something like that, obviously, you're going to see a lot of people try to replicate that. So I think you have to pick and choose your spots. There are some juicy spots definitely to target this week that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, I'm actually interested in, um, you know, it, same game parlays are a thing that books want people to place more of. You know, by and large, they are really high margin, um, you know, three to four X what a normal spread bet would be for, for the books. But, you know, Judah hasn't most a lot of those reasons are because people have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> you know, they're just they're just willy nilly. I mean, it's really hard to understand. They're just kind of throwing shit out there. Um, but I'd be interested, you know, to see if uh, if Judah gets um, any kind of limit. Um, I was thinking the same thing, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know if they have that intelligent of a system, you know, to pick up on kind of those, um, those sorts of theoretical uh, plays, but we'll see. All right. Um, we had an up and down week for locks of the week. We, uh, we started off a little cold, got incredibly unlucky on Saturday with CMC finishing one carry short, complete bullshit. Uh, and then Keenan out getting like 150 targets and getting three of them batted at the line of scrimmage, which is just absurd. Uh, bounced back on Sunday in a very strong way, very strong way. And then uh, CD Lamb came close, but did not end up uh, delivering on uh, on Sunday uh, or on Monday, I should say. So uh, four games to go. Arjun, we'll start with you. What's your first bet? Yeah, so this is one I liked. Um, on Sunday, it's kind of moved against me, but I, I still don't understand. It is the Bengals plus five and a half. So I think it is five and a half on a couple of books. I see five and a half on FanDuel, on Caesars, uh, win bet. So I, I just like, I don't understand really like the logic for the Bills. Like, again, like both teams had not that great games in wildcard weekend. But I think like the Bengals O-line struggles are kind of like being overblown. We saw the same Bengals team without an offensive line, like I would say a worse offensive line last year, go to the Super Bowl. And the thing that people are, I don't think are realizing is like you can overcome an offensive line when you have an elite receiving core and not only an elite receiving core, an elite receiving core that can generate explosive plays with the snap of a finger. Now, the Bengals um, explosive play rate this year has has been down compared to last year. That's because teams have more film on the Bengals. Teams have, you know, have more data on them. But you know that Jamar Chase can turn a six-yard hitch into a 60-yard touchdown. And I, I've said this for, again for weeks. I think the Bills past secondary is a little bit overrated. Trey, Trey White, a lot of his stats are a little bit down compared to years prior. Um, this is something that one of our graphic designers, Andrew Russell, talked about on Twitter. With Von Miller, the Bills ranked fourth in pressure rate when only rushing four 
pass rushers or less without him that's dropped to 27th and it's about like a 10 percent decrease in pressure rate so you can blitz the Bengals because you're not going to cover t higgins and jamar chase one-on-one so i don't necessarily see a huge advantage for the bills defense there and on the other side of the ball i think the Bengals defense is one of the most opportunistic defenses in the NFL. Josh Allen, three turnover worthy plays last week. I'm assuming he's going to get at least one or two in this this week. And I think the Bengals defense will take advantage of it. And this is a crazy stat. In all five of Burrow's playoff games, his defense has forced a second half turnover. And in four, in, in all of the wins, a turnover has led directly to a win. If you think about every interception mm-hmm. that's occurred in the second half of the wins, it's been because of a turnover. So I think the Bengals defense can take advantage of what I like to call a Josh Allen Bozo moment. Oh, this is George back. It's because Joey Burrow is just the most clutch player of all time, right? That's what you've been telling the people on Twitter all week long, right? Now the defense has nothing to do with it. No. So um, so my, my favorite bet, uh, jump in, I mentioned it earlier. Um, I kind of already talked through the numbers, but I guess one other angle. So it is, it's Chiefs teaser with the Eagles. So Chiefs down to two and a half, Eagles down to one and a half on a six-point teaser. I think one last thing to mention too, the Jaguars played a do or die divisional game that they arguably should have lost to the Tennessee Titans. They had to play a full 60 minutes in that game. They do get the win against a physical Titans team with a defensive touchdown. You then have a 27, nothing deficit. So you're again playing balls to the wall for 60 minutes of that game. The chiefs have been sitting in Kansas city, hanging out, getting healthy, getting prepared, you know, massive mismatch for their best player and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, basically their two best players have their two best mismatches in this game. Um, so that's just, you know, I just, they're, they're going to win this game. Um, and then yeah, with the Eagles as well, I like them down to one and a half. The Zach Tintillo approved teaser. Um, my first bet is, uh, is also going, I'm, I'm going to get to the props here in a second, but I'm going to start with, Niners, uh, Cowboys, the, the best offense remaining has, uh, has the lowest total in this, uh, in this wild card weekend, the 49ers, of course, I'm talking about with Brock Purdy. Um, they're, I mean, they're averaging uh, 35 points a game with, with Brock Purdy. It's ridiculous. Um, the only game that they've scored under 30 points was a lone game against in Seattle, uh, against the Seahawks at the end of the regular season. Um, otherwise they have been above 30 the entire freaking time. And, uh, you know, I don't think that Dak Prescott is going to replicate what he did against Tampa Bay, but if they are down big, they're going to have to throw the ball. And, you know, I'm fairly confident they can put up a few points. So over 46, it's going to be 57, some broken clouds, the, um, you know, the rumors of the hellscape that was going to be the 49ers, um, weather report, uh, last week dramatically overblown um so yes i like over 46 in cowboys niners arjun where are you going next yeah no i, I love that play also um i'm gonna go to a prop now so i'm gonna start off with christian kirk over five and a half receptions we're going back to another slot receiver receptions i hope it doesn't burn me this time um you know christian kirk in the, in the jags game versus the chargers he did go over this reception total uh he had let me just double check this real quick. He had uh, eight catches on 12 targets in their last matchup, Chiefs versus Jags. He also had uh, 12 targets and he had nine catches. The Chiefs on the year, including the playoffs, have allowed the second most rece- uh, receptions to slot receivers. So players who lined up in the slot, 144 receptions allowed to slot people who lined up in the slot. Christian Kirk is the guy, I think, w- who will be targeted if 
and, you know, predictably when the Jags go down as they normally do to start a game. And I think if the Jags are playing catch up, he can easily go over this reception total. So Christian Kirk over five and a half receptions. Well, you, you, you scared me a little bit because I'm going back to the well with the same thing. Um, you know, Seth mentioned it earlier that in the CD Lamb versus the 49ers last year, they tried to play him out wide because Michael Gallup had gotten hurt. It's just not really his bread and butter. It didn't go too well in that game. Um, and, and then for the Niners, I mean, they've been playing like a little bit of Jimmy Ward in the slot. They lost Kwan Williams to the Denver Broncos this offseason. If you tried to find a weakness on this defense, I mean, good luck to you first. But it probably is like in the slot. They have Traverius Ward, who, you know, is solid on the outside. Um, and they've managed to a degree. So the, the receptions prop is not out there yet. But I also like the game script here. I think we also just lost that bet in part because of game script because the Cowboys had to stop throwing so early because they were just blowing at the Bucks pretty much right out of the gate. So um, the Niners are going to score. We know they're going to score. I'm trusting our guy, C.D. Lamb, once more on the on the receptions prop. Our faith in C.D. Um, so I, I just – I have to mention this. I mean, Dallas Goddard um, – it's it's 51 and a half. I realize that it's moved like eight yards. And so you're you're choking away closing line value. Um, so I don't know how we make this some sort of it's it's gotta be somewhere here because we've talked about it, everyone's mentioned it now. Um I you know, I really like uh I mentioned this a little earlier, Arjun. Um, some of his alt uh numbers, so like mm-hmm. over hundred yards is basically seven to one. The, the TJ Hawkinson Memorial uh, bet of the week. Um, but the the uh, New York Giants are abysmal at covering tight ends. We saw that last week. And it's not like they're going to come into this game and be like, hey, guys, we just got to stop Dallas Goddard. Because guess what? A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are on the outside. That has to be their focus, right? Like, it, it's not as if they can come in here and focus on Dallas Goddard. And in a game where if Jalen Hurts, you know, his shoulder is still not 100 percent, I would look for them to get the ball out quickly. And Dallas Goddard will be will be available and will be open. So I guess we can put it down there as like 51 and a half. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I actually don't think that's a prohibitive number. It's not the best of it. I don't know if we can count the 41 and a half that I think, Arjun, you got that with me as well earlier uh, mm-hmm. this week. But it bears mentioning because it's a it's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it, it pays to be in the discord. We were talking about that as soon as it dropped. Like I think the whole, a lot of the people in the discord were waiting on Goddard lines. And, yes. and we've, got, we've gotten some other good uh, props in like Travis Kelsey over 76 and a half, yeah. which um, that's already what moved that now? 70, 79 and a half on DraftKings. Um, you know, the same thing with Dalton Schultz under 46 and a half. That's already like 42 and a half on a bunch of books. Um, but yeah, sorry, going back to my final lock, it is going to be, this is kind of correlated with George's overplay. I don't know if we want to double dip. Maybe we can just pick one of these. It is going to be Brock Purdy over one and a half passing touchdowns. Now, would you believe me if I told you that since coming in for Jimmy Garoppolo, Purdy has thrown for two or more touchdowns in every single game, including the Dolphins game? Seen it with my own eyes. It's it is crazy. And I think, you know, part of it is him being able to make a lot of plays off structure that the throws to, I think it was Elijah Mitchell in the Seahawks game. Like he rolled left, came all the way around right and found Mitchell in the flat. Like those are the type of plays that he makes that Jimmy Garoppolo can't. Um, the 49ers from week one to the wildcard weekend have faced the least amount of perfectly covered plays on offense, which again, it's a Kyle Shanahan stat. He's been amazing this year. I don't typically care that 
the Dallas defense was looked really good against the Bucks. I will bet on elite offenses over elite defenses. And that's kind of like your thesis, George. And mm-hmm. I would rock with Purdy because the books are giving us like almost like a minus 110 odds, minus 115 for Purdy over one and a half passing touchdowns, even though he's hit that in um, eight straight, seven straight games. So I am going to roll with that one. Um, I wish I had like a, you know, a button that I could press for certain sounds and, and uh, catchphrases to come up. And the one that I would pull up is DJ Khaled. They don't believe in us. I, I am addicted to DJ. DJ Khaled, by the way, on like Instagram is one of the greatest follows on earth. He's now playing golf and he's like, it's it's a journey that is worth watching. Um, but uh, before that, his favorite thing to say was that they didn't believe in us and God did. They don't believe in Brock Purdy. Uh, it's very clear um, and it's ridiculous. Uh, God, God does. His name's Kyle Shanahan. Um, Brad, your next bet. Yeah. So uh, I'm out, I'm all out of bets, but just wanted to throw one more thing. We talked about it a bunch. The Giants, I didn't mention this earlier, are second worst at covering uh, between the numbers, second worst EPA per drop back between the numbers and their linebacker core of Jalen Smith and Jared Davis is our second lowest graded linebacker core. Just, just more, re- you know, the, the Goddard thing is not because in by itself there are a lot of reasons we're in love with that that play this week um i have one more um and so the chiefs uh jaguars game the chiefs are a significant favorite eight and a half nine uh in this game they however in terms of the passing yards patrick mahomes who's the favorite his uh this is on fanduel his player prop is at 315 and a half trevor lawrence is at 251 and a half Trevor Lawrence played well in the in the prior game against the Chiefs. Um, if they are down truly by about ten points in this game, I mean they're going to throw. They they need to throw the ball um, here, and um, you know, kind of correlated with that Christian uh, Kirk angle. Um, but two fifty one and a half for a guy that is one of the you know seven or eight best quarterbacks in the league when losing um, is uh, is disrespectful, honestly, to, to Trevor Lawrence. So I'll throw that one out there as well. Um, I don't know that I have any other props that that uh, I think bear mentioning for the lock of the week. We've talked a little bit about Stephon Diggs against Eli Apple, Jamar Chase against uh, Tredavious White. Uh, but if you are looking for more player props, the best place to go find that, we will talk about them kind of for the next three days straight uh, in the PFF Printing Press Discord. The link is in the, uh, is in the description. Good place to hang out. A lot of knowledge being dropped there. Um, do we just put all of these on, on the locks? I mean, I guess you said, Arjun, that like Purdy and and um, and uh, Niners over is kind of correlated, I guess. Yeah, that would be the one where I think maybe we pick one of the two. Um, otherwise, I think all of them are also pretty good. I would I like lean... Lawrence play a lot, by the way. Very good call. Great against man coverage, worse against disguising coverage, which I think was the problem against the Chargers early. The Chiefs play a lot of man, do not disguise nearly as much, and you know rotate single high versus two high as much as the Chargers do. So, good matchup. Just, it's disrespectful. Um, I yes. would say, Arjun, let's go with the over, uh, just because of the the um, the number of ways. Like if if Purdy does throw two, they're probably going over. But mm-hmm. if, uh, if they could still go over with like five rushing touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, that, I would agree. Be, uh, that would be my take. Um, okay. So let's, let's try and recap here. I think I will um, get these all. So first one, we have Bengals plus five and a half. We have a teaser, the Kansas City Chiefs down to two and a half, the Philadelphia Eagles down to one and a half. 
we have the San Francisco 49ers over 46. Um, we have, uh, what was the, the next one? Was it you, Brad, that had the next one? Christian Kirk over five and a half receptions. Yes. Christian Kirk over five and a half uh, receptions. What do we want to do with Goddard? Do we want, I mean, you guys tell me, like, do you think we should like advise people to go over 51 and a half? Do we just like chalk it up to being early? I think we, yeah, we got, we got all the value there. I don't want to, okay. you know, just keep Inaug- chasing it. Yeah. Inaugural lock. We're going to, we're going to grandfather it in, right? <laughs> like you can't get this number now, but we, you, you'll have to trust us there. And then, um, and then is the last one, um, uh, T-Law. T-Law over 251 and a half. I love, I like to play a lot. Okay. okay. Yeah. Any that I'm missing. We already had the Niners stuff. So I mentioned three and a half, but we have that in the article yes. and we're on the over, but I, we could do it, but <laughs> I'm cool with it. There's, there's a lot, no it's a time. lot of Niners play, but it is a lot of Niners play. It's it's very heavily concentrated. We did um we did put that out there. Did we get it at four? I want to say early in the week. It was three and a half. We put in the article. Ah, that's right. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we already have that one. Um. So plenty of blocks. Um. Make sure you go check out pff.com. Uh. Where you can get all of the kind of up to the minute write ups by this crew and others. Ben Brown, obviously included. Jump in the Discord. Make sure that you're up to date. Um, the uh, where are we at with Boston Scott, Arjun? I'm surprised. You didn't oh, yeah, that okay, that has to be like our bonus lock. I forget. Yes. So, for those who don't know, Boston Scott has scored a touchdown on in all eight of his um games against the New York Giants. Now, I, I've already placed this bet in everything. The only word of caution is it is a playoff game, so you know, as a bat backup third or even a third string guy he might not see as much run but like it's boston scott the giants killer like i think at some some trends you just have to keep betting 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 and until it runs out so you know it's it's been profitable so far for me so i'm seeing plus 390 on FanDuel, um but that's kind of my shtick on that mention it's in the giants heads now because uh wink martindale the defensive coordinator in his press conference got asked about it maybe because rg keeps talking about it and he said <laughs> Boston Scott is not a Giants killer. He's in their head. He's he's oh, deep in their no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Um, yep. That is that means that that's a that's a guaranteed lock then. It reminds <laughs> me of um the uh so I think if you remember this you're too young Arjun there's no doubt about it but Brad you might remember this. So um when Ruben Patterson said he was the Kobe stopper. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah, there's a really good clip going around of um of uh, Kobe talking about that. And uh, apparently he uh, matched up with him all the time in practice when they were on the same team. And um, when he was a free agent, he was going around like telling teams that he would lock Kobe up. And Kobe was like, you just call me up, man. I'm happy to give you a good word. But now when I face you, I'm going to have to give you 50. So yeah, 50 pieces incoming. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. All right. That was, uh, I think one of the, the better set, uh, shows of the, um, of the year deservedly. So for divisional weekend, thank you so much for hanging out. We love you all. We will be back Sunday night live. We're going to guess the camp conference championship, uh, lines, talk about those, break those down and get some early bets in before the lines move. So come hang out with us. Love you. Peace.